ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão que eu tenho explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser o Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser o Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Dolby Fica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumaças. As always, with me, Cristiano Oliveira. Cristiano, uh, como é que estás, amigo? I've been better, and there have been very few times in my Benfica podcast career that I wish I was uh, I anywhere else. Benfica podcast was a career but here, and uh, today, unfortunately, I have to be here to talk about some uh, not so very good things but you know what we're gonna get through it and we're we're excited to 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 be spending some time with our good friend dave and yourself and uh speaking to the rest of the refugees around the world so bora. dave de Oliveira is up in uh in uh, canada dave how's it going eh? uh yeah like chris uh said i i've got uh fatigue i'm fatigued of uh what i've been seeing from uh this uh mentally exhausted yeah exhausted frustrated just uh drained at this point but uh good to be back on and we'll use this as a, a therapy session to get us uh through the the next hour certainly um there there are good times to do podcasts there are bad times to do podcasts uh and for as long as we've been around we certainly have had a lot of nights where turning on these mics isn't always the the easiest thing to do uh, but That's we, the easiest part, turning them on. <laughs> but Coming we, up with shit to talk about and actually being into it is the rough part. We got to take the good with the bad, right? We can't always be fair weather fans. Uh, we have to uh, talk about the bad things. Like, I mean, we put up with a year and a half of Rivitoria that was awful, and we still came in here every day or every week, and we turned the mics on, and, and we spoke, and we were frustrated and this and that. Uh, look, um nothing is lost right we're still in first we're still uh have uh, an advantage certainly uh the things that we've seen that we've been seeing are not not encouraging uh and certainly kind of leaves uh, everyone a little frustrated and and uh hesitant uh, on what the t the future for this team is but uh if you consider uh, that we have uh won every single game since that first round portal loss Uh, and that we could go on a similar tear uh, going forward until the end of the until the end of the season. Obviously, uh, it's encouraging when you think about it like that. So um, I'm trying to, to to stay positive as as much as I can with this. But obviously, you know, there's there's people in life that are negative, people that uh, so on and so forth. Anyway, <clears throat> um, on tap tonight. Recap Porto game. Recap Famalicão game. Uh, and look ahead to uh, uh, a game that is now, considering the context, is going to be just as big as the Porto game this uh, Saturday coming up, which is against Braga at Stade de Luz. Um, so let's uh, let's start at the beginning, uh, like we always do. Uh, start with this Porto game. If he could travel to to Porto, I think uh, I think I know the day before. Uh, well received in Porto by a couple hundred people. Uh, at the hotel in, in Villanova de Gaia. Um, 
it turns out that there was some things that happened after that. There was some some confrontations between those fans that were at the Benfica's hotel and and some Porto factions. Uh, there was also some fireworks at at night, as always. You know, it's it's every time you go up to Porto, it it seems like it's the wild wild west in 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 terms of dealing with the fans from that club. Nothing against the city. Uh, the city's quite nice. Uh, so they tell me I've never been there, but uh, you know, I have, and, and I know people from from up north too that that are decent people. I got close friends that that are from there, and albeit them being Porto fans, you know, uh, overall they're they're human beings, they're friends, and their friendship sometimes uh, transcends uh, the the clubismo, uh, if you will. Uh, so anyway. Look, I'm okay with with the fireworks and stuff, but I actually like that. At three in the morning, I love it. It's I, look, it's it's mind games. I love it. I actually I don't mind that at all. But the problem is that it doesn't stop there. You know, when you start assaulting other fans, that's to me that's the line you don't cross. But as far as you know, uh, you know, starting fireworks up there, right? Setting off fireworks outside the city. That's be, I mean, I I'd go as much as to hire a band to just out sit out there and play loud speak. I mean, because again, that's sportsmanship. That's kind of like you know, you're having fun with it. It's mind games. But when you start touching other people and attacking other people, that's where you know the line gets crossed. And look again, this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, right? Uh, we this is not the first, or the second, or the third, or the last time it's going to happen. When unfortunately. Uh, when Benfica heads to that city, the hatred is so huge that people seem like that for those few hours they lose. <laughs> They're losing the, they, shit. No, they lose like you know the kind. Per, they lose the kindness out of their heart, and they just become, yo, hooligans. I don't know what the word is. It's like when the full and, moon and, comes out, and I'm putting it kindly by saying hooligans. You know, mm. it, it's just like people forget what what life is all about. That this, at the end of the day, it's two hours. It's a game. But then again, I can't complain because. That was only two hours of the game, and I've been in, in a sour taste ever since. I mean, I, it took me all weekend to, to just forget about Saturday, and then so much so that it came into the game on Tuesday. And I'm just like, what the? Like, it took me a while to reset. I don't think I've still gotten over it, and, and I think this is going to be therapeutic for us here because I got plenty to say. But again, as long as I have no problem with the fireworks, I have no problem with none of that shenanigans, it's when you start attacking people. And the message that you send across and you you go ahead and you 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 know disturb the Benfica Casas and you leave you leave threatening messages, you're hanging players dressed in Benfica uniforms and referees. And I think that just shows the lack of of class that you have. I think it shows the world that you're trying to intimidate and you'll do anything that it will take to get you to. And again, look, us as Benficistas, to be fair, we don't like it. But at the end of the day, look, I applaud because these guys do whatever it takes to support their team. They're diehard fans. Credit to them. Yeah. They will go out of their way to do dumb shit and, and, and know that they could possibly get in trouble, but they still will do it. So, I mean, that's that's called a fan. I mean, some people call them crazy. That's a fan. And, you know, they do what they have to do for a team. And I think that, look, we're going to talk about this game, but that worked. That helped. When Benfica came into the stadium, and obviously, there was uh, Luis Rivera says they, normally they get into the stadium at three and they didn't allow them until I think five, you know. So they threw off their whole schedule, their whole their whole um, rhythm, you know, whatever, whatever it is that they do. They threw it all off. But it, that worked. Say what you want. That worked. Well, <clears throat> the, the letting them into the, to the stadium that early is for the equipment managers. Yeah, right? but they have their routine. Right. That's the word I was looking but, for. They have their routine because then the team. I'm pretty sure the equipment, uh, Paulinho and, and Luis and João, they come in at three. 
And then by five, the team probably arrives by five and they start now. The team can only get in by five now. Uh, the, the, the equipment manager can only get in by five. Now the team has to wait. Let's say, let's just say it takes you a half hour to set that up, right? Now you have to wait till 5.30. It throws off the player's routine. It does. It throws it because they're accustomed to just walking in at five. So now it's, whether it's a half hour, an hour, yeah. it does throw it off. Even the slightest thing, I mean, the slightest thing is going to throw off a routine for guys that, mm -hmm. and, and usually players, professional players, are creatures of habit regardless of the sport that you play. And especially when you think about it, some of these guys driving in on the bus, they probably let in a wet one because of what they saw hanging up on the bridge. And they needed to get in that fire to change that wet underwear. <laughs> and so now they got to wait another. So like, look, I got a daughter, you know, the brash, you got to, maybe they had a little rash and that affected the way they ran. You know, things come into play, Alfredo. Things do happen. It's possible. But, but yeah, I mean, everyone has seen the, the picture of uh, of those dolls, whatever they were, hanging one in the referee's uniform, the other one in a Benfica uniform, hanging from a viaduct. Uh, certainly, you know, nothing that would surprise us that we've followed this rivalry for many, 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 many years. Um, the other thing is, as you guys know, Whenever Benfica plays away, there's something that goes on. There's a transformation that goes on in Benfica's locker room. Uh, it, that it, look, it, it's never going to be the locker room at Stade Luz, but the equipment managers are almost uh, they transform the locker room so it it's similar to Stade Luz. Unfortunately, and as Cristiano mentioned, it's kind of like a Gordon Ramsay cooking show. They come in and remodel overnight, and everything. You come in, you walk in, red walls, red ceiling. And you just you think you're yeah. at one of your own facilities, and I guess that calms the players down, makes them feel you know tranquilos, it makes them feel a lot more yeah. at home. Yeah. But unfortunately, this time around, the mistika, the mistika, well, and 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 look, how much of that do we blame on Befica, right? Oh, no, not because. None at all. But but here's the thing, right? Against Sporting. After the game against Sporting, Benfica published a photo of the locker room or a picture that yeah, was in the locker room yeah, at the Alvalade, right? I think I know where you're going, and so they let everyone else know that they do that. Listen, I, I don't think Porto needed to see that picture to know that Benfica does that. Right, but uh, also Porto didn't need to see a picture after the game if Benfica had won with that type of stuff. So what they did is... They put some kind of they did what greasy. you do to what you do to squirrels. <laughs> they so they, they, go they, they <laughs> greased the pole. Point. They greased. They the put pole. some kind of greasy. Uh, I don't know what it is. Some some greasy liquid on the on the walls. So Befica couldn't attach anything to the walls. But, but look, I, get, I laugh at that because I mean you, that's so childish that but you yeah, have I to mean, go out of your. But again, but look, here's the thing. I don't. And I say this. Jokingly, but at the same time, as as serious as a heart attack, I don't expect anything else from no. these people. But and it's like whether they saw a picture or not, they're going to try to make Benfica's life miserable, regardless. Yeah, that, that, but the extent that these people go to put a substance, it, the squirrel's gonna go up and get the nut. <laughs> and, and why do we? Why are we talking about this? It, 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 just to give you some context. Just to right? set the table. Just <laughs> it, it gives you context, right? Because when you're willing to go to these extents to take your 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 rival out of their routine, to take your rival out of their normalcy, this obviously this is a culture that the club has towards Benfica. 
And when on the background, all of this goes on, you can imagine the, the, the protagonists that are directly involved in having the final result of this game. You can imagine what those guys' heads are filled with. Yeah, but look, Alfredo and Dave, I don't know if I know in Canada you guys are all nice guys and stuff, but I, I'm look, I, believe it or not, it's classless, right? And it, but again, I have to keep go falling back. I think my line of the day, Dave, you should press the button. I don't expect anything different from them, right? I think that's the line. You gotta, every time I talk, just keep pressing that and replaying that sound over and over. I don't expect yeah. anything different, but at the same time, it's like I find it funny. I think it's mind games, and and look. At the same time, I'm envious that Benfica doesn't Benfica should do that at home. I think every club does what they have to do to get their home field advantage, Dave. But yeah. I think I think if they go and they do that, if let's say Benfica went to these extremes and did the same thing next time uh, Porto comes around, I think there's so much in our head that they know that it will uh, affect us. And if if uh, if we can't play our game because uh, we can't hang our banners off the the walls in our locker room, then what what kind of mentality uh, do we have there in our locker room? Because I think if if it was the other way around. Uh, this would uh, would uh, galvanize Porto exactly. uh, and, and play ha have them more focused on the game. Where us, I could see that getting into our, our our minds, and they know it too. They know that they they can play with our minds like that. They have more of a, a stronger sense of mentality. And if we were to go and do that, they probably come in and beat us five nothing at our, our own home. Those guys are that they come in is like joining the police. You got to join the police academy for six months and go through all the training. They do. They go through the training of it's us against the world mentality. So those the guys brainwash when yeah they brain so when they come into whether side to lose whatever stadium it is and shit is not their way they're like whatever we came here to play. We're Benfica players or more you know we have culture we have class and again look as a Benfica I take pride in that don't get me wrong but I wish that my team would have a dog in them at times. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't always have to carry that dog with you, but when you need to come out with the goddamn dog, you should. And these are, you know, this is one of the times instead of, you know, coming out to the field, showing this team way too much respect, the way that life set up the team. We'll get into that in a second, but you could tell the team was shook. Yeah. I want some of that dog in you. Not <laughs> only that, I mean, it, it's well publicized that any foreign players, when they get picked up at the airport, in the rides to wherever they're going, which oftentimes is is to the dragon, Café con they get a, a, a document. They get a document that has every single thing that they need to follow in terms of who your rival is, these players are given a manual. So the even the players that are from the, you know, the outside, they never heard of the rivalry. They know exactly what to say, how to behave, what to stay away. And the from. amazing thing is they put it in writing and in pictures in case some of the guys can't read because <laughs> so they're having pictures like, you know, stick man pointing at one another, yeah. an eagle, you know? So yeah. They make it visual. All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's start moving on to the game and, and look, I think, um, I want to start with this because this this is something uh, Chris and I um, watch the game together. Uh, we we rarely watch games together, but this this time around, watch the game together. And it's um, not happening again. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> you guys should have recorded that for Patreon. Yeah, something that uh, Chris brought up was in the coin toss, right? We win the coin toss, right? And what do we choose to and do? Now it seems like we're nitpicking. <laughs> 
but they Benfica asked for the ball rather than picking the side. To me, I think. And again, it seems like again it is nitpicking, but it's this all ties into the weakness, the 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 fragile mentality of of the Benfica team, right? Wanting to impose yourself. You know what I mean? Like you could perceive it two different ways. The way I perceived it is. We want the ball. We don't want to give it away. We don't want them to have the ball at home at first. To me, I never, first of all, I never gave a crap about playing on the road. I actually enjoyed playing on the road more so than I did at home. But to me, it's more important to pick a side. Whatever side you think favors them, that's the side I don't want them playing in in the yeah. second half. And Benfica, exactly right. Benfica allowed them to choose whatever side they wanted rather than just give them the freaking ball. You get it in the second half. Who cares? But Porto, therefore, went ahead and decided to defend you know, the, 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 where their fans are in the first half. They knew in the second half, if we're down, we're going to need their push, you know, and I, on their um, on the on the opposite end to help us push and come up with an equalizer, take the lead, whatever. We're going to need that push from the fan. And to me, I think it's more important to take away that the 12th man than it is to take away the ball to start the freaking game. There's absolutely no advantage by taking the ball. Well, especially when you consider when they employ – uh, they implement the Rui Vitorita, get the ball and kick it up. Boom, boom. Like, you just won the freaking coin toss. That's what you have. So you, so you can have the opportunity to clear it up the field. Come on, man. Look, it, I don't even know if that was the case this week. It's, but. it's not. It definitely uh, having the ball is not as important as having the ball in the NFL, right? For anyone that's familiar with the NFL. But anyway, uh, how many teams walk or come into to uh, to Benfica's uh, uh, stadium, Stadio Luz? They win the coin toss. And they always pick so that they they play on the side that Benfica wants to play uh, uh, in. I'm afraid it goes right? back to the question I just asked. What is a bigger advantage? You kicking the game off and having the ball to kick off the game? Or is it to defend whatever side the opposition is not, you know, doesn't like whatever side doesn't give the opposition a bigger advantage? Right. It's I've, just to me, it's simple. Yeah, I mean, it, guys, come on. It's simpler because, and I know if you follow Benfica, obviously you know that Benfica has a goal uh, to which they like to attack in in a second half, uh, right? And that's usually the goal where the no-name boys are behind, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure that I'm right, that they like to attack to that goal uh, in the second half. Benfica went into the coin toss. Why not? Right away, put your foot down and say, hey, you're not going to have your way. I won the coin toss. I'm going to have your way. I'm going to take you off your game, starting with the coin toss and my side of uh, of picking side. And look, they defended the side that even uh, João Felix uh, in his comments regarding his goal against Paco de Porto last year at the Ladrão, he mentioned that's the court in front of the fans in the Belize Grande. So obviously there is something there that to be said. I, there, there's more to it than probably we even know about, but that is an advantage for them. And I don't understand. I would have rather have the advantage of defending the opposite side because I know that's not what they're accustomed to doing, more so than having a ball. And again, it just showed the the, the type of confidence that Benfica had going into the game. Yeah. You know, you could portray it as, you know, we're here, we want the ball, we don't give a shit what side we defend, but we want the ball because we want to implement ourselves the minute we get the ball, and then you, the game starts, and Benfica, I mean, I mean, they, they weren't rolled over because you know, obviously, you can't roll people over in a soccer field, but it came pretty close. Yeah. So that's why you wanted the ball. Yeah. So let's let's uh, let's let's keep moving and, and let's get with the with the starting uh, eleven. Vlaco Dimas, Almeida, Dias, Ferro, and Grimaldo, uh, Julian Weigel, Tarabt, uh, Pizzi, and Rafa, Chiquinho, and Vinicius. Now, look, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? But uh, I, you know, I have uh, 
we have a friend and he's been here on on this uh on this uh podcast Hugo. Uh and one of the things that Hugo said and and I can't take credit for it because I heard it from Hugo's mouth. Um he has been pushing Servi all he's been pushing that our throat all year long. All telling us that this long. guy is important. Pop, pop, pop. And and the reason was why? Because his work rate is tremendous. He helps out on defense. And he comes out against Porto with, with Rafa on I, the left. I, I could tell, look, as you know, we spoke to Hugo, and I, I can totally understand that side of things, Alfred, but I could also make the argument for the other side of things, which is... What's your argument? My argument Chiquinho is... Chiquinho hasn't played no, for, shit. Chiquinho. I think Benfica, and I think this is Bruno... I, this is me, the way I seen it. I think Bruno Lage saw Porto's going to come out with Corona, a guy that could go up the you know the, the the wing at any time he wants. He's got the ability to do so. And if I put in a player that's more defensive, that doesn't really pose a threat, he's going to therefore push up even more. Now, if I have a, a, a Rafa there that has the ability with the ball at his feet and the ability with the speed, it's going to prohibit Corona from pushing up the field. I think that that was his thought process. And what that's happened? That's me. We got annihilated. We got annihilated. We got annihilated. Going up and down that wing. I mean, megging people twice in, in one play. It was very similar to the game at the Luz, um, where Porto, and I've said this multiple times here, guys, where I, I could sit here and criticize Sergio Conceição for many things, but one thing is that game I can never criticize him for because I thought his, his read on the game, his game planning, I thought it was perf perfect in that game. And I think it was, again, very similar in this game where Porto came out with the high press and Porto knew, again, forget Porto, guys, for Christ's sake, everyone and their mother that watches football, watches Benfica play for a half hour knows the weak link is our left side, regardless if it's Servi, regardless if it's Rafa, regardless if it's Pele. We're going to attack Benfica's left side, and we're going to take them guys and eat them alive. And that's exactly what Porto did. Once again, they looked at our weakest position, and they attacked it. Yeah. But I can make the argument for Rafa, but then the outcome didn't happen. So I just wanted to throw that out there, Alfred. I totally get the whole Servi thing is going to help defense. But I think the, the having Rafa in there, I think... It, it was supposed a threat to Corona and trying to, not to get him to go upfield as much. Yeah, and we also, you know, some of the logic that Chris and I spoke about during the game was that, okay, well, maybe he wants Rafa from a deeper position also to attack and, and not be a guy in between lines that's not going to get the ball. That was also a thought a thought and a logic behind it. But um, Porto came out strong. Uh, goal in the Forget in the, the ten goal. minutes. You're just gonna skip the third minute where my boy straight hammered dropped. <laughs> I mean, that I, play, I didn't write that note. Yeah, but that play right there, Alfredo, totally to me, to me, it could have changed things for Bruno Lage. Again, he could have had his system, he could have had his ideas with the Rafa on the left side, but Tarap being an, an an important part, an integral part of the midfield, getting the ball and distributing. And bro, we saw the guy at the end of the day. Let's be brutally honest, Dave. We talk about this in North America all the time. It is it, it is lunatic to me. It is crazy. It is bonkers that there was no concussion protocol. My man was, yo, Tarap was in Morocco chilling for a few seconds, <laughs> all right? Eating some of the, 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 the whatever you eat, the flatbread over there. He was eating some hummus. He falafel. Was, you falafel and hummus. He was chilling. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought they would have put. A, I thought they would have. Uh, I thought they were going to sub him out because they want to talk about uh, concussion protocol and 
player safety, but uh, yeah, he was uh, knocked out, and I'm surprised they let him back uh, in the game. I thought that we were going to have to make an early substitution there. And you could tell Tarap wasn't his normal self. Yeah, he was out of it for a maybe, while. Maybe, did that affect? Maybe Tarap not being 100% what he would have been. You know, did, did that look again, his head starts spinning. And I, as a guy who suffered a very severe concussion, trust me, it's no fun. You know, you get through it, but eventually you start, you know, to really get the feelings of it, you, still, you really start to mess with your head. And again, he played the full 90, uh, not 90, but 70 something. So you can't really complain about it. But maybe did that change his aggressiveness? And I know he, he, was, he was aggressive on some instances and you can make the calls on whether he got lucky or not and yellow cards, yada, yada, yada. But maybe that changed the whole the whole thing, it, drop, it not, being, not being fully 100%. Yeah, uh, look, we, we don't know. We don't know, right? Uh, uh, look, is it a play for a red? I, I don't know. And I want to I, I keep talking about the game because I'll, I'll, I'll come back. I will come back to this um, to this moment because I'll have a lot more to say about this instance. But we need to get to other instances in the game, yeah, we, and then I'll give you my because I I think we need to tie them all in. So go ahead. Um. So one one nothing in a, in a tenth minute. Uh. If he could actually respond well to the goal. Uh. I mean they were struggling. They were struggling to break the press. You're just gonna skip right I, over the fact oh, that Grimaldo got Grimaldo got abused. You just gonna? You, I don't know. I didn't. Why don't you jump in? I didn't write those notes. Grimaldo got abused all fucking game. Okay, so then bingo. We're, we're okay. Wait, wait, I mean, do we need to mention the minutes? It was all game that he got abused. But but that goal came off of Grimaldo getting abs. I mean, he got torched. He got torched every single. Um, I think every single goal it was it started from his his side there. If I'm not mistaken, Chris, you're lifting off the bandaid, dude. I I have almost healed from that Saturday. Uh, for a second there, you know, I had a hard a hard time sleeping, and for a second there, I struggled for a bit. And uh, you know, it, this is all break. I'm just, having flashbacks. I, look, I'm sorry. I know you're trying to drive the bus here, but I, I, in case some of you didn't watch the game, I'm just trying to put all the details out there. That this was, I mean, picture some little kid chasing a grown up behind them and couldn't catch. It was that literally. Bad. It was that bad. And literally, I mean, he, he had all the liberty to cross the ball and then uh, Sergio Oliveira, tremendous last name, but he'll never score another goal like that again. It went <laughs> off his shin, by the way. So anyway, I, I thought that Benfica responded well after they started touching the ball around, uh, and after Benfica got the equalizer by Vinicius in the 18th minute, the the game got chippy. There was a lot of stoppages in in in, in play. Uh, Porto players getting on Benfica's uh, players' faces. Uh, referee trying to control the game, and I think that kind of took away some of of that momentum that Benfica was building. Then we got the goal in the 38th minute uh, for, off of the PK, which everybody is seen that. I don't know. Chris, I I don't know if you have notes to go on about this play, but I do. It, I, I do. Go ahead. I, I, no, I would, no, because I said it. we we got to keep going to the second half though, because I want to. It ties all back in. There's another play in the second half that then I'll, I'll compare the three of them. But in the game, when as you said, Benfica went once Benfica went down one nothing, guys. I thought Benfica made an effort to come out playing and and, and implement yeah. their game. And you can tell, and this is why, this is why I'm sorry that I keep cutting you off, but it's important to mention all these things because there's different parts of this game that you could critique and you could break. And I think that the, sh the, the crap that annoys me is that when Benfica try for those eight minutes, whatever it was, to play their football, you could tell that they could clear, Porto couldn't do nothing about it. Yeah. And Benfica implemented their style, Benfica created their chances, and they finally got the goal, right? But why do, why didn't Benfica start like that from the beginning? I, I don't know. And then they score, and then it's like, okay, we scored again. <laughs> We're back to seven-point differential, so let's sit back on our morals. And then it just became a lot of 
fouls, a lot of chippiness. You saw Tarat pick up a yellow because of bull, because he was being dumb, okay? Because balls, grabbing balls and shoving and pushing guys. Then wow. Vigo gets a, a yellow that Benfica's trying to get rescinded because he never even touched the guy and he dove. But at the end of the day, he got a yellow. So that right there, in the minute between the 18th minute, Benfica scores a goal. And then to when Porto gets the, 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 the penalty, it, it really became a very different game for Benfica because at that point, I think every single player on the field for Benfica started looking around. And I think that's where the mentality, that 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 dog mentality needs to come in. It needs to be strong. They start looking around and, and started questioning now, do I put my foot in? No, because look, to the, to be fair, at the same point, anytime Benfica committed a foul, there was a yellow card coming out. It was like, it's like an Oprah Winfrey show. You get a yellow, you get a yellow, and you get a yellow. And it was just like, whoa. And then all of a sudden, you see Porto just running down the middle of the field. Drop staying step by step, but not putting in the foot, not yeah, putting yeah. in a shoulder. Same thing with Vigo. And I think that condition that, that yeah. conditioned the game, it conditioned the way Benfica attacked things. And and then it just so happens that you have your center defensive midfielders who are supposed to help you out in defending who are not doing much defending because unfortunately, any they feel, and we did as well, sitting on the other side, anytime that they make any contact, it's gonna be a yellow card. And then what happens behind those guys? It's your putrid left side of the defense, which is Grimaldo and Ferro. I don't know what the hell's happened to Ferro. I tried to make a case for him a couple weeks ago. Last week. That he's playing bad because – but even this week, I can't defend him. And it was just like those two guys, the Swiss cheese, and you can see the other guys like a, a hot butter knife just going right through. And it was like what in the world is going on? And then the ball goes out on a on a, on a – Handball, let's call it what it is, a handball by Trap. Is it a yellow? Look, he's already on Elma. Give up if I'm a referee, right? I don't think it was intentional, so therefore, I'll give him a pass, right? Everybody's crying about him getting a red card. I'm going to give him a pass because he's on a yellow already, and I don't think he would have done it intentionally. Ball goes out for a corner, cross into the box. Suarez, <laughs> little nudge, but there was yeah. contact. Little, little, and, and look, um, if, and look, we could, we could sit here and, and replay that all day, but, even Ferru's motion of the arms, which it's just, just imagine, right? Just imagine you get pushed in the back as you're jumping. Your reflex, your instinct is to use your arms to kind of balance yourself from being thrown off of your natural motion. So as he gets pushed, he kind of throws out his, his arms to balance himself. And then Suarez heads the ball against his arm and, Suarez Diaz was Suarez Diaz. Yeah. Suarez Diaz didn't call it at first, but then he, he got oh, then, called. Then he the, got called by the VAR. The twenty-eight Porto player surrounded him in a box. Is Benfica trying to come on a counter? And then, as a matter of fact, while Benfica's coming on a counter, Rafa, for some reason, I don't know what the hell, he doesn't have the wheels <laughs> he got to, to the, the midfield. Guy. He stops <laughs> and he passes the ball back to Tarap. Then Pepe comes in on him and like straight elbows him in the face, which the referee standing two feet away. But nothing in this game. It was bro. Do whatever you gotta do. You're gonna get away with everything. And it just it wasn't a good day for Benfica. To me, Alfredo, this is where I stand. Okay, and I have to keep saying I because I want people to understand this. It's just it's the way I vi I view things. Ball hits a player in the box. It's a foul or penalty. End of story. To me, like that, there is no ands, ifs, or buts. You gonna say what I'm saying? It's the it's black or white. Did it hit him in the hand? Yes. Did it hit him in the hand? No. Simple. Now, do I think that there was a, a, a shove? There was a small tug? I do. Do I think Ferro tried to make a meal out of it and flopped a little bit more? You can make the case. No. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, to me, 
I'm okay. Believe it or not, guys. I know some of you listening are going to criticize. going to think I'm crazy, but I'm okay. I'm actually okay with that being a penalty where I have a problem. And I'm going to go ahead and advance. I'm not going to get into details of the game, but there was a foul later on. And as we talk about this game, a foul later on where there was a cross into the box into Svetovic, and he's backing up, and so is Stelz in front of him. And Svetovic does a very similar thing where he touches him in the back, and the referee instantly calls a foul. So now here's my thing. I'm okay with it being a penalty in the box. A guy touches the ball with his hand. I'm okay with it because, again, it goes based on this. I think you should be responsible for your limbs at all times. Copy? Now, where I got a problem with it is when Svetovic did it to Telz, it was called a foul. So the criteria wasn't the same. And then where the reason why I say this is because I want to bring it back to the third minute when. But the criteria no, was but, the same, Chris. Was the same. They didn't call a foul. You didn't call a foul in a push. Oh, wait, you, you're right. You're he right. didn't call it, and then he called it. But VAR but, really, whatever. But VAR, well. Call, VAR called the handball, not the foul. Fine. Right. But at the end of the day, he called. He didn't call it. Listen, did he call a foul on Suarez? No. Did he call a foul on Svetovic? Yes. Criteria is not the same. And then because I made the point, I think I'm being honest, where I think, look, you have to be responsible for your limbs. Ferro, that's a penalty. Be responsible for your hands in a box. With that being said. Now, brings back a question that you asked when I first started talking about the Tarapt in, in, in Marega incident. Was it a yellow? Was it a red? Look, it wasn't even a foul, let alone a yellow. It should have been a red. And again, if Federer is responsible for his limbs inside the box, Marega is responsible for his limbs and punching someone in the face. That's the point I was trying to say before, to make that point. Because if you're responsible for your limbs at all times, just like that ball, hit him in a box, in a, in a hand, out of out of hell is Marega not responsible for his arms when he straight clocks the guy in the face so much so he loses a tooth yeah two weights two measures that's the problem i have i'm okay with calling it a penalty but in that case you have to give marega bro he's he yo he punched him i mean that like he knocked him out cold guys the way you know if you watch the replay the way he went out uh first of all he went he, because when you get hit and you fall you use your arms to kind of to kind of break your fall uh he just fell right on his face and then he turned and he looked up like like he was in Tangiers, <laughs> like, like Cristiano said, like he was in Morocco. My man was out. He was out cold. Casablanca. He was out cold. Um. So uh, look, the point we're trying to make is that we're not trying to make excuses for Benfica's loss, right? But we're looking at these things, and when you look at these things, and and look, two weights, two measures, yes, but. The bigger thing here speaks about uh, the aggressiveness of Porto, the physicality of Porto, because that is the team that is a team that feeds off of being aggressive against Benfica and their physicality. Uh, and I think that Benfica has known this for decades and is cannot match the same type of intensity and the same type of, of physicality that Porto brings. And if you can't match that, you got to have a very, very good, solid game uh, in order to beat Porto, because otherwise you're going to lose on these physical matchups every, every single time. Um, so PK, then the own goal in the 44th minute, again, that left side, uh, like, uh, like Swiss cheese or hot butter, whatever it is going to the locker room, uh, down, uh, three, one, it was an own goal. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but goal. I mean, if, very if, if this wasn't there. Very unfortunate. I don't, I don't know but if you again, could have like done said, much they more. They came down the, their right side, our left side, with plenty of ease. I mean, it was... Dave, what did you think of uh, of the first half, man? As you're watching this, what, what, what were your thoughts uh, going what, what, going through your head? 
I'll tell you the the only part of the first half where I felt at ease was after Porto took the uh, one nothing uh, lead because, like we discussed here, then Benfica started playing their own game. I was more at ease with it one nothing than I was with it one one because after it was one one, Benfica sat back, uh, let Porto play their game, and they Benfica let Porto get get back into the game, play their style. And uh, before you know, knew it, it was 3-1, like you said, going into halftime. So uh, very disappointed. This was uh, a very poor, probably been the worst half Benfica's played uh, all season. And, and, in, and it ultimately cost us uh, the game at, of how poorly we uh, played here uh, in the first half. I know we've uh, spoken about Grimaldo and, and uh, Servi starting on uh, the bench, uh, or not starting on the field, but was on the bench for this game. But I think he would have been key and i'm a believer if it's not broke don't uh fix it but i i didn't see any problems with rafa playing behind uh the striker uh position and having survey there especially when we've no all known for the last couple of weeks grimaldo's uh defensive errors that he's been committing there you have somebody like a survey that will at least make the attempt to uh run back and cover uh Grimaldo when he's 50 yards up uh the field when he should be back uh defending there so was really surprised that uh Laj left uh Servi out uh, for this match. Look I said on last week's podcast that I'll be very interested to see what happens in this game to see if Bruno Laj is a coach that uh, you know a Benfica coach a coach that we could depend on going forward and I'm telling you I left this game with even more questions I think it leads me to, to ask the question. I'm sorry. I have to like, did he study? Did he watch any game tape? I mean, because Porto came in and played us the same exact way that they played us at the start of the lose with the high press. Look, they didn't create, they didn't play really well, but they did create chances right at the beginning of the game. Pep had a chance in front of the goal that he shanks wide. Then late in the first half, another chance. Pep, was, you put that in another player's leg, maybe another player's foot, maybe they scored two goals. And now the scoreline's a little bit uglier than what, than what it really was going into the half. I, I just think that, Lodge learned nothing, nothing from that first game at the start of the lose because they played the same way. We came in playing like a bunch of chickens. And, and it's just like, you know, like you just mentioned, there's questionable, you know, players, you know, questionable tactical decisions regarding starting lineup. And there's questions about the way we play the game. It's questions about a whole bunch of things. And I just don't understand why we always back down because like I mentioned before, and those few minutes that we when we went down one nothing and we decided to play the game we actually played well why doesn't he attack it like that yeah the, did he not learn anything from the first game even the, the second half i thought Bifiga played uh played much better in, in the beginning of the second half they they pulled one back in the 50th minute in in, in, in quite a nice play uh but then after that i mean Laj has to make substitutions because obviously, uh, you know, Tarapt is on a yellow. Uh, right before he got substituted, he had a play that he could have very much seen as second, as second yellow. Um, so at that point, I don't blame him for taking out Tarapt, but here's the thing you lose the one dude that's carrying the ball for you, that's making, and that's especially without Gabriel being available. Now, Alfredo, you said Benfica comes on the second half, play better. Now, Alfredo, do you think? They played better because of some of the changes that Laj made in the locker room? Or do you think, like, I? this is what I think, they played better because Porto squarely just stopped pressing, 
dropped their lines and concentrated on defending more so than even than, than pressing and wasting their and gassing their guys out. Well, certainly it was something that we hadn't seen much of uh, from Benfica in terms of you know possessing the ball, playing the ball, touching the ball around in the first half. In the second half, especially the start of the second half, we saw more of that. But you're right; you 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 can make but a I point think they that gave us the ball. That's why we saw ball. that. And I and I think look when Gabriel, I mean Gabriel. We kept questioning at some point, he's got to take this guy out. Not only does he have the, the possible concussion, but he's on a yellow. You know, the referee is going to be looking for any little chance to give him a second yellow and throw somebody out of the game. Both of the center mids have a yellow. So what's Lodge waiting to do? But then again, I want to listen. Trust me. I want to kill Lodge as much as anyone. But you look at the options on the bench. What do you have? Samadis? Okay, great. Good, good defensive option. Florentino? Was he? What's Florentino? Yeah, Florentino's on the bench. Defensive option. Servi? Yeah, how much office is he really going to give you? Uh, you know, Sferovic, I'm a, there wasn't much offense on the bench. And it goes like this. The worst part about this whole, guys, and it's the part that no one's even talking about. This is the one, and you know I love this part, but it's the one that infuriates me as well the most, which is without a Tarap, without a Gabriel, the guy that's supposed to carry the ball for you and make shit happen is PZ. Did PZ play this weekend? <laughs> Where was she keeping you? The guy that everybody been bragging about, and I keep telling you, he's not a Benfica caliber starter, but everyone wants to call me, call me crazy. Where anybody, with the exception of his header that wound up, which was a frungo, I think Marquinhos tried to clap, slap it over the net, and, and he wasn't able to. That's a frungo, right? He left it right there for Vinicius to just tap it in. But with the exception of that header, did she do anything in this game? Where was PZ? Now, another thing I want to talk about go fast forward the freaking tape to the game. Benfica's finally pressing because it's Bombo, right? There was no line. At that point, it was the defensive line and six guys up front. And there was no one in the middle doing it. It was boom, put the pepper friend. Porto will header it back, right? They'd win the header. It was like dodgeball. They'd win the header, and then their midfielders will get it. And Benfica would, and then it'd be the guys defending once again. And then all over again. And then in the few occasions that Benfica did get a few corner kicks, right? Just like the very last play of the game. Could anybody in their freaking right mind, please, and I'm begging you, bro, 10CO10 on Twitter, 10CO10 on everything, please hit me up. And Can you explain to me what in the world was PZ doing with those corner kicks? <laughs> anybody? He's not facing Mancouche. Give the oh, guy a break. Did that guy Mancou master. Here's the thing, hey, right? I, I, bet you, I bet you Paulinho Luis didn't even wash his uniform because there's no sweat on it. <laughs> here's the thing, right? Um, and and I'll, I'll mention something. At, at the time in the game, Right. Well, we need a goal, but that we've already lost any type of structure of buildup. We have check this out. We have on the field Vinicius, Seferovic, Diego Souza. We got Ruben Diaz and we got Ferro all in the box waiting for delivery. Where's the delivery go to? Top of the box. The second I'll post. Not even, no, no, no. Alfredo, that's not second post. Top of the box. Out, that's not second post. <laughs> That was like I don't I don't know what the fuck what, what, I mean yo there wasn't one time to it was all game long there was was there any ever any crosses into the near post into the middle of the box I mean even the second second post cross I'm okay but bro that's top of the box second post outside I mean you need Superman to come flying in ahead of that ball in in order to get it on goal and actually have an opportunity for it to go in it just Every decision these guys made, it was just, I don't yeah. understand. And then, look, there's criticism because, oh, Lodge, oh, you went with three strikes. Well, again, as I mentioned before, what else did you have on a bench? Yeah. Well, it was uh, it, it was ponderous to, to see when Lodge did three strikers on the field and he was given instructions as to what where they should line up because everybody was completely lost with all those strikers on the field. But, again, 
Benfica didn't play well, but also we have to look at uh, you know, and, and obviously not taking away any merit from from the way Porto played and the attitude they brought. But you have to look at guys that are influential guys on your team, such as PC, such as such as Rafa, uh, and even Chiquinho. Guys just didn't show up. Didn't it's, show up. It goes back to the bus ride statements that we all made here. It's the mentality. You some guys are made for, other guys aren't. OK, when you have you have guys on the team that are very easy to root uh, against, I should say. Right. Like the Otavius of the world, even that little that little bit. Yo, they show up to play. They're not afraid to ask for the ball. Not afraid of we played you. play. And I'll tell you, bro, in the, when the game gets tougher, you see who wants to play. There's a lot of guys that hide behind their marker because you know what? Look, I'm behind them. I had no space because you're more scared than getting the ball and actually getting chopped and getting your yeah. freaking legs cut off, cut off soccer terms, right? Then you are of just hiding on a court. Bro, yeah. big game players, they show up. They want the ball. They don't hide. I mean, look back at this game, guys. Go look at it again from minute one to minute 96, and you'll see on the right side, under the Almeida touched the ball, I would say, Five times to everyone touched PZ touched under Almeida. That whatever you want to call him, he wanted the ball. He showed up. Unfortunately, yeah. the guy can't do more, but he wasn't hiding. PZ was yeah. just lallygagging, like sticking to the corner, hugging the line as much as possible. You're like, hey, let's leave these guys forget about me. Yeah, I and, mean, and come on, get involved. Look, man. do and, something. And mind you, we're not we're not talking about 21, 22 year old players that have have just now starting to 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 get used to these atmospheres. I mean, we're talking about PZ, a guy that's played internationally, a guy that's played in Spain, uh, a guy that's been in different environments in different stadiums. He played for the national team. You have to, you you're one of the leaders of this team. You have to make your presence known, whether it's to to get a ball, and even if it's just just to pass back to somebody, just to offer some kind of support. You have to get in the game. You have to make your bro. Presence in most felt. cases, I think you ask a casual Benfica fan, they'll tell you Pizzi's Benfica's best player. You look at the numbers, right? The guy's been involved in God knows how many goals and assists. You think Pizzi's your best player? He's your most influential player. Well, your most influential player needs to show up in big games. Yeah. And especially when you're mid, you're not a striker. So, you know, I've, I've had this conversation with people, Alfredo, and they told, well, you do know that Jonas only scored a penalty against Porto. Bro, it's it's a lot harder when you're a striker that needs to get the ball and you're stuck in between two, two six foot something center backs. It's a little bit difficult, more difficult than when you're a midfielder, agile guy that moves across. If he has the freedom and the liberty to move anywhere on the pitch that he wants, go get the freaking ball. Show yourself to the ball. When Benfica has the ball, there's a lot of standing around. It's easy. It's really easy, yeah. guys, to come here and blame Ferro for his inaccurate passes, for trying to force. It's easy to, bring, to blame Ruben Diaz for trying to force a pass. But you know what? What you fail to forget is that it's a lot harder when everyone else is just standing around. You got to thread the needle. These are the guys, the Chiquinhos of the world. When you're playing as a second striker for Benfica, second striker for Benfica, you need to make yourself visible, yeah. my man. Come back, get the ball, get involved. Beasy, you want to get all the acclamation and the praise, come back, get involved, get the freaking ball. Yeah, and even understanding uh, at that point that, that Tarap was limited, that Tarap went out in the 66th minute, where's Beasy to carry this team? Uh, and look, we we don't mean this to be uh, specifically targeted at PT because there was guys that played just as bad. But when you look at a guy, a guy that's clearly a leader in the locker room, a guy that is the stats speak uh, for themselves. Where are you in big games? Where is the difference maker in big games? Alfredo, normally in teams, 
the highest paid player, the best player, whatever it is, because usually it's the case in both, right? The highest paid player is the best player. They get all the heat. They're the ones that have to answer the questions. That's when you show leadership. They're the guys that need to go and confront the media and sit there in front of a camera and take one for the team. Just like they have to do off the field. They have to do it on the field. When things don't go well, sorry, like I said two minutes ago, PZ, you want to get all the praise? You're going to get all the criticism as well when things don't go our way because you're the guy that everyone looks to to right the ship. You are the captain on the field. And when you want to be a, a shipmate, right, you want to be down in the deck, you know, changing the oil of the boat as the boat's going along, it don't work. You need to be driving that mofo. And he just but th this is this is something that we've come to expect with uh, PT from these these big games. Like you the biggest club that he shows up against is Braga, where he has a he has some goals uh, to his name and, and he seems to play well against Braga. But versus Sporting and versus uh, Porto, we the, unfortunately, this is just this is just how his makeup and his mentality is. He can score four goals against Familico and three goals against three Wav, But you know what? At the end of the day. This guy never shows up in the big games. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep on waiting. See if he shows up. Uh, anyway, I think that we've we've gone long enough. Obviously, I don't want to get the, cut this short. I want to make sure that we hit all the points uh, that we need to hit. Um, two, three, final score. Uh, Benfica in total disarray in the final minutes. Just just pumping the ball. Uh, just didn't just didn't do enough. Couldn't match up Porto's intensity. Couldn't match up Porto's uh, physicality. Uh, definitely that 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 fear of playing up north uh, is something that needs to be taken to effect. And and I think that Benfica needs to kind of grow into a team that can't be afraid uh, of going up. You north. have to stop being respectful. You know what I mean? Like you think back to grammar school. And you got the bully picking on you. And if you just keep being, no, sir, sorry, man. No, don't hit me. He's going to cause you need to suit to at some point punch the bully right back in the teeth. And I think Benfica needs to stop playing these nice games. As we said before, when they come into the lose, yo, throw feces in the locker room. You know what? Let's let's you want to mess with. We're going to make it even worse. Start playing their game. Punch a bully back in the face. And that's the only way I think they're going to get over yeah. that mentality. Yeah. Look, I, I think so. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, I think I'm just thinking that we we uh, I hate to sound uh, like a broken record and also the whiny babies here, but we had a lot to take to to get off our our chest and now we're we're getting an opportunity to do it. I definitely don't want to drag it any longer than we need to, and obviously we're uh, 50 minutes into this podcast and and we have spoken about nothing but this Porto game and we still have another game to to play with uh, to to talk about. Um, for me. This is a done issue. Uh, we lost three points. Uh, I don't. There was some confidence going in there, but there was also the thought that there's a good, there's a good reason, or, or there's a good chance that we may come out of the Dragon with with a four point lead, which is which is still fine. A four point lead is still fine. Uh, we've already said here all of the the reasons we thought that Benfica didn't play well. Um, the, and I'll get into Lage in the, in the next uh, recap of the game. So. I just I don't know if Chris, you have anything to say to uh, uh, to just close this out. I wanted to go to Dave and get some numbers on these on on this game. Uh, but if if you're good, Dave, you could go ahead and, and give us some numbers on this game, man. Yeah, for sure. So uh, with Ruben Diaz uh, own goal, you uh, the last player Benfica player to score an own goal in a Clasico against uh, Porto was Maxi uh, Pereira. 
uh Benfica has now lost to Porto in both rounds of uh, the league and the last time that happened was 2015-2016 we ended up uh, still being champions uh that uh that season in uh Laje versus Conceição uh head to head one win for Laje three for Conceição uh five goals uh scored for Benfica nine against uh when uh, Laje is taking over this team hey, going back to the Last goal scored by an own goal by Benfica. That's a strange, strange stat that you went and got. Dave. I tell you, no, that's a great stat, and, and I I just hope that Ruben Diaz doesn't find himself in a Porto shirt. <laughs> that would be well, kicking the nuts. Easy spot. Speak. He's probably go, he, he's one of the he's one of the few players on our squad that has that mentality that'll that'll punch back if if he's gonna get attacked. He's one of the few dogs on this team. There's not enough guys like uh, him no, on this squad I, with that mentality. I, I did see a lot of. You know, when Pepe comes in, pushing and shoving and trying to intimidate in those guys, the Benfica guys, the national team guys that have experience and have played, tapping, tapping them on the back. Yo, at the, for those 90 minutes, we're not friends. Okay? We're, I'm not. Don't be trying to intimidate my guys and pushing and shoving because I'm going to push you back. And Ruben Diaz does have that attitude. But I did see some of that patting on the back as well. All right, uh, from a Likon game, uh, Benfica went up up north again. I think they happened to stay at the same hotel All right, call in, me, in Gaia. Call me after you're done with this recap because <laughs> I, think, I trust you. I come after Porto, come on. Benfica carried a, a 3-2 uh, uh, aggregate into uh, from a Likon to play against the, the Cinderella team of uh, of the season. I think we've, we've already spoken enough about what Fumalicão has been doing this year. Uh, so it, it was never going to be a, an easy game for Benfica at Fumalicão. But after the loss at Porto, the least I expected was a, a, a respectable answer in this game. And we're talking about a Fumalicão that rested their players and lost 7-0 at the weekend. Yeah, they rested all their players. So they With could the all be... one, exceptional one. Only one guy played. And the goalie? I don't even know what it is. Uh, I heard it during the broadcasting, but I didn't. I didn't jot it down. I don't know what it is. But as I stated here last week, when Benfica did get that three-two win, the very, very tight and sufferable win at the start of the lose, I did say we're talking about a team that's coming in, coming into the start of the lose, you know, on, on, on without winning in the last three games, and now they're on the five. They haven't won in the last five games, and they're still Benfica is. Uh, I'm not going to say is. You'll talk about the game. This yeah. play, you'll see what I mean by is. Look, uh, f- f- let's start with the with the, with the the lineup. Flaco Dimos, uh, Tavares. Uh, obviously, Tavares, uh, uh, Almeida finished the game at Porto, uh, limping, uh, problem with an ankle. Uh, it seems like he'll be back for Braga. I don't know. Dias, Ferro, and Grimaldo. Florentino and Tarabt. Uh, Pizzi and, and Servi. Rafa. And Rafa is second. Rafa and, uh, and Vinicius, right? I get that right. Issues up front, yeah. Um, and, and look, uh, family cone staying true to to their to their style, uh, touching the ball around, building from the back, building from the goalie. Uh, Benfica with with some moments that they pressed, and their their goal in the twenty fourth minute comes from a, from a pressing moment. And from then, who? Uh, <laughs> who showed up? Oh, Vin- Vinicius pre- pressed the the center back. Pizzi, Which they got very lucky in Portuguese Pizzi, football not to get a foul call. Pizzi intercepts. Uh, finds Vinicius down, streaking down the line. Vinicius crosses the ball. Servi goes to the touchline. Comes line. in and flicks it with his right foot. Flicks it back yeah. into the middle. And here's the superstar always showing up when needed most. Peasy gets Benfica on the scoreboard. Yippee! That's right. 
but but then after that, it was just a barrage of uh, of family count just coming after uh, Benfica. First of all, let's be fair about one thing. <laughs> it was very difficult to see what tactics both teams were playing because that camera angle was absolutely atrocious. <laughs> but even with that atrocious camera angle, Benfica didn't play crap. So I don't know if the camera being higher would have made a difference. <laughs> I don't think it would have made a difference. But uh, what we did see is Lacodim was time and time again uh, making <laughs> Making Thank goodness Slovin got the week off. Because if <laughs> imagine, because remember, there's a lot of questions as to who Lodge was going to start in the semi. Well, even at Stadiolus, there was a question that he Lodge. might start him. That, that's the point. Like, well, oof, Vlaco, Vlaco, a guy who I think is still very much flawed, coming up big, came up big. I think if he is not in goal that uh, uh, yesterday, we're sitting here having a totally different conversation about Mr. Bruno Lodge, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, we are. That was as ugly. But and, 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 and wait, and, and I just thought of something because as ugly as that was, I thought of something. And, and you asked before, but and it, again, it ties back to this game as well because defending where atrocious down the left side, even, all the little teams, everybody knows. Just go down Benfica's left side, you'll be all right. It's like giving someone direction, make a right, make a left, you go straight, cheat, and then you go like just go down Benfica's left side, you'll get there, you'll get to the promised land. Yeah. And the one thing that pisses me off, and it, and, it, and, I, and I have to go back to the Portugal game because it comes back to the post game press conference. Brulage had the audacity to say, <clears throat> "Ready for this, Benfica's? We know for nine months." We've known for like a year that we can't defend for crap. <laughs> and then, wait, wait, this is not a, a player. This is the head coach. We know. You we know our flaws. At what point, Mr. Lodge, I hope, I hope this message, I, look, I hope we get like one of those make a wish, make a dream foundation. And this is my question to you, and I hope that this makes it. At what point over the last nine months, at some point, didn't you ever think? Maybe I should change something here. I mean, do you really need to get bombarded for a year and then admit that you know and you still can't do nothing? I'd rather you just say, no, I, I, I think we're fine. Because what you're doing is making yourself look bad. You're making yourself look like you don't have answers. Right. You don't know your X's and no's. You can't come up with another tactic in order to prevent Benfica from leaking goals from that side over and over again. And the worst thing you could be at Benfica is a coach with no answers. Yeah. And you're like self, you're outing yourself like yeah. yo, for a year. Like, hey, the guy obviously knows the game. Uh, he can pinpoint their flaws. He can pinpoint their, their not their, their defensive flaws. <laughs> well, he's he's able to identify him. Oh, but he can't doing something that. about him oh, is you, completely different. Right. Yes. I mean, nine months, he said that scoring goals has hidden those defensive flaws. But still, not isn't that enough to put some kind of game plan in play? But we so talk you about that. Do that better. We've talked about that here on the podcast. Even when Fika wins like five zero, and then I'll I'll come on here and I'll say, bro, they struggled against the team. They got counterattack goals. They didn't. Have, well, and then people comment, you guys are way too critical. And it's like, bro, yeah, it's easy to get away. As Lash said himself, it's easy to get away with it when you're scoring goals against the Monkus. But then when you're playing teams that kind of have a concept, right, that kind of understand the game as much as you do and their horses are as big as your horses. Now, all of a sudden, things become very complicated for Benfica. And we were very, I mean, I think very doesn't express enough how lucky yeah. we were to get out of Famalicão yesterday with the draw and being able to advance to, to Jamor. Famalicão scored a goal offside, but 
obviously things got a little, you know, again, it's offsides, offsides, but they pressed and they made us eat grass. And to their credit, man, look, this is a team that hasn't made it back to the, I think they haven't been to Tasa Portugal in like 70 years or whatever, but they wanted it. And you expect that from teams. Anytime you play Benfica, you know, they're going to put in the effort. And then on top of it, you will have a possible final, which is something you're going to be extra motivated for. But that doesn't answer for the, Benfica not being able to defend, Benfica not being able to press, Benfica not being able to pass the ball, Benfica not being able to read. It was just like if I, 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 Alfredo, I'm getting tired of saying this here, but if I'm just newbie to soccer and I don't know who Benfica is, I'm thinking of Family Gones Benfica. I'm thinking, oh, hell yeah, that's the glorious team from Lisbon. Look, look at them attacking and killing them. I mean, come on. Sienna, let me, let me use it uh, again back to the game. Let me use an analogy here that the, that you're definitely going to understand as, as a father of a, of a small uh, child. Uh, and I, I am also not of a small child, but I have been there. We oftentimes go and put our kids to sleep, right? And when we put our kids to sleep, usually we lay down next to them. Uh, and we try to fake that we're kind of like sleeping. We're really laying down to see if they'll go to sleep. Oftentimes we end up falling asleep first than the kid. Yes or no? I've had that happen once. Happen <laughs> so once. it was like but my daughter tricks me because she learned how to. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it's like Benfica in the second half, right? They try to put the game to, to bed. <laughs> and really what they did is they fell asleep because <laughs> Family Kong was clearly Family Kong the better us, team in that second half. Brown return and said, <laughs> and that was it, bro. We knocked out. Look, we, as Christiana mentioned, we were fortunate uh, to come out of w with the draw because Things should have definitely been much worse. Uh, we finished the game uh, with Fumlico having 54% of the possession, uh, 18 shots, eight of them being on goal. You know how many how many Benfica uh, shots uh, had? Shots or on goal? That's two different. On goal. Let's, just go, on let's goal. start on goal. That's because it's easier shots to remember, on, right? On goal, on goal. I say three. We got the one that's a goal. Okay, so I say two more. Okay. How many? Seven shots total. Uh huh. Two on goal. I was far According off. to goal point. <laughs> is, is that goal point Protista? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, um, it, but but it really paints the so picture of what it was. 54 possession of Fama for Fama. 18 shots, eight of them on goal for, for Benfica. Seven shots, two of them on goal. And, 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 was, and one of them was the goal. <laughs> and, and Diogo Gonçalves. If Benfica's not sure about this kid for next year, I mean, he showed himself that he could absolutely play at this level. And it took Vlaco Dimos to come away with a beautiful hockey save. Two kick, times. Kick saving a beauty. And then a few minutes later, uh, was able to tip it over the net for a corner. I think Vlaco Dimos is on top of his game. Um, it, it, things could have gone really sorry, ugly. Sorry, Diogo, I, I, I mixed it up. Diogo Gonçalves was the one that made two players in one play. Not only did he make Grimaldo, but he also made uh, uh, Ferro, and then Vlaco Dimas came up with the big save. I, I so think, it wasn't Corona, it was Diogo Gonçalves. Corona? Corona don't play for Famalico. I know, but... I, but he said, said it earlier in the podcast. Oh, Corona made two guys in the same play. Well, he made... Uh, he made one, Rafael, but he spun but around Gonsalves, like a rag, though. Gonsalves, but Gonsalves two. yeah, Gonsalves in these uh, two he, legs against and, me. And, and here's the thing, really right? Well. We're, we're we're signing Yoni Gonzalez's, and and look, I haven't seen Pedrinho play, but you got Diogo Gonsalves, who is a guy that's very familiar with the with the reality of Benfica. Good feet, speed, 
guy that probably is attached to the club on an emotional and sentimental level because he was brought up playing for the club. Uh, and he's playing for yeah, but see, Alfred, I disagree with you on that because Yoni Gonzalez was 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 like a chip that you bought, hoping to never use it, right? And they never intended to he's use a it. marker. He's a it marker. Was, really, that's all he was. When you really, what you really have to question about Diego Gonzalez, really, if you want to make the question whether he belonged in the team, you make the case for a Jota, right? Jota has been the guy's not useful at all. Diego Gonzalez will be useful. You want to make the case even to a. And I know, I know some of you are going to kill me, but Servi. Servi doesn't give you much going off. And I understand why he plays, but it doesn't give you this kid actually gives you both. He gives you the effort and he goes off. So, I mean, you if you want to make the case for someone on the team this year, it's Caio Lucas and it's Jota because he'd be more useful than both of those guys yeah. would be. So, no, I completely understand. And, uh, but Yoni doesn't the, the thing that I, that I have to say about Jota. Jota is, is younger than Gonçalves. Gonçalves, we saw last year, he got some playing time in the first half uh, with Rui Vitória, and then in the, he ended up going out on the winter transfer window. I think he went to, to England, yeah. But he's the guy that's definitely, from his maturity process, he's, he's at a more advanced stage than Jota. Uh, and perhaps when you want to look at it, perhaps he is on a normal path of maturity and going through uh, playing at these teams that will help him grow, where he's getting playing time, where he's playing against good opposition, where he's in the locker room surrounded by guys that could give him lessons. I mean, s similar to what uh, Rui, Rui Costa went through at Faf. Uh, right. Uh, these are the stages that players have to go through. And I understand that Benfica has the B team and oftentimes Benfica uses players in the B team to get to those maturity stages. But clearly playing on a Liga Nosh team is definitely a different stage uh, that you need to get to. So I understand uh, why Jota has, has gotten uh, the time and Diogo Salvador. But he hasn't, hasn't. gotten any time. <laughs> well, but thing. he's gotten but time that, to, to prove himself with his team. But he hasn't. I mean, he started what two, three games all year in the Tasa Liga. Yeah. That's about it. I mean, I think Ru, I think Gonzalez will be useful in an actual first league game because he's shown that he could be useful. Now, uh, I just think, look, let's let's get over this game. <laughs> we 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 advanced. That's the only good thing. It's something that we've said too much here of late over the last couple of years on the Rui Vitoria. Now on the Bruno Lars Lage here in the second season, which is the only good thing about it was the result. Everything else, let's forget about it. We move on to the Jamor. Yeah, and uh, we'll have a chance to play Porto. Porto, who who got a, I mean, such oh. a critical penalty today. Can't believe uh, the kid, whatever I forget his name, uh, didn't die off from that push today. I mean, wow. Um, they yeah, Porto, Porto's in the final. They've numbers on this uh, family count, so we can move on to uh, to Braga. Yeah, I don't know if we uh, talked about it off the top there, but uh, Florentino returned to the starting 11 for the first time since uh, December 21st uh, there. He went a span of eight matches without uh, starting, and out of those eight matches, he was only uh, named to the uh, the squad, the, the day match day roster, three out of the eight times, so five times he was watching from the uh, stands uh, in there. But with uh, Gabriel... Looking like he's going to be out uh, for a long period of time. Uh, good to see uh, Florentino getting some uh, minutes because with these uh, these games coming fast and quick, especially in February, we're going to need to uh, use him there and the center midfield uh, position there. Uh, we talked about the Manku Master returning with uh, Pizzi, scoring his 22nd goal of the season. That's already his fourth goal against Familico. Uh, the season and uh, Benfica reaches their 30, 37th uh, Portuguese Cup uh, final. So, uh, 30, uh, number 37. 
37, lucky 37. And uh, they'll face uh, Porto at the Jamor on the uh, 24th of May. And look, uh, I'm glad you brought up Florentino because it's something I wanted to touch about, touch on here on the podcast, which is the Florentinos of the world, the Wagos of the world. I, I, I've done it myself um, where I've criticized Florentino for being a guy that, yes, he's very well positioned defensively. He recuperates a lot of balls, but he can't really do much with the ball at his foot. And now we see a totally different player who comes in with so much hype and a guy I've seen actually move the ball around. He comes into Benfica and Wago and he's doing the same exact thing, which is Side to side, you know, backwards, not a lot going forward. We've seen bodies, and the one thing that I've that I've noticed is, and I think I've come around. I, I think Alfredo, this falls down to coaching because you saw once Rui Vitoria left Benfica, and he made the fetches of the world and the Samadis of the world to a certain extent. Somebody's kind of stopped playing under him, but these guys became crucial, and then all of a sudden, the defensive center midfielder has been non-existent for Benfica over the last year. I know somebody was thrown back into the lineup last year for Bruno Lage, and he was tremendous, but it was because more he was more of a box-to-box, more freedom. Not a guy that is tied down to just defending. You saw Feja fell off. Florentino disappeared for months. Now Weigel's doing the same thing, and I just think it's a decision by coaching to tell these guys, you're going to sit here. You're not going to move. You're not going to force things. You're just going to recover the ball, sit yourself in a very good position defensively, and find the open man. So rather than criticizing these guys, I want to apologize because, as I've said before, I, I, I doubted very much so that Florentino could play that role. And now I just I don't think they have the liberty to do so, Alfredo. Yeah. Now we're, we're kind of seeing the same thing with uh, Julian Weigel and the uh, I mean, if you want to look at Florentino's uh, passing percentage against Fomalicão, I think he's only, he only missed like one pass or something like that. But every single pass is is a little short. But pass. I think that's coaching. I I, I, I think that's I think 100%. that's 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 mandado. I think the coach has been instructed. 100%. The coach has instructed these guys because you see it. Anyone that plays in that position, Samaris, Feja, uh, um, the um. Florentino and now Weigel, right? And with those other guys, Samaris, the the the, the Fiorentinos and, and, and the Fejas, okay, whatever. But now Weigel's really opened my eyes because he's come in, a guy that's played on a German national team, a guy that knows how to move a ball around the pitch, and all of a sudden, he's not doing any of that. Why? Is because he's only arrived at Benfica shortly? Fine, okay, I get it, but he can still play a ball. He can still play a through ball at some point. He can still carry the ball up the field, and you don't see any of that. And I think that this is instructions from the coaching staff, and unfortunately, it just seems that his instructions annihilate our midfield presence, our defensive midfielder that really just your job is to defend and do not do yeah. that much. Yeah, we, we don't know what it said, but certainly we're, we're seeing a bit of a, a pattern here for guys that play in that position. Uh, anyway, let's um, let's move on to uh, Braga, which is uh, a very crucial game, as I mentioned at uh, at the beginning of the podcast this weekend. Considering the context in in which we are in now, Porto also has a as a tough game. They will travel to Guimarães to play uh, Vitoria, obviously Sunday. Um, yeah, Benfica plays Saturday, six p.m. local. And uh, Dave, uh, quite a different Braga team since uh, uh, Ruben Amorim took over. Yeah, so when uh, he took over, they were in 10th position with uh, 18 points when they were led under uh, Sapinto. Uh, then since uh, Ruben Amorin has uh, taken over, he, he's uh, coached them to seven wins, one draw. That last draw just coming this past weekend against Gil Vicente, where they had that game in control. And I was surprised to see that uh, Gil Vicente made that uh, comeback to tie it up uh, at two all. 
But uh, yeah, they're now jumped to fourth uh, place with uh, 34 points, one point behind uh, third place uh, Sporting. So a real transformation under uh, Ruben Amorin, uh, two victories against Porto, two victories against Sporting, the uh, Tasa de Liga victory. It's a, a good transformation from Braga's uh, point of view in a short amount of time um, with uh, Ruben, Amorin, Ruben Amorin as their coach. Yeah, certainly. And look, if you were waiting for an answer against the Fomalicão team, and basically what we saw was more of the same that we saw against Porto, this is a Braga team that has the tools and has the players to hurt you, understanding that now your your weak spots are on display for the whole league to see. This is a, a Braga team that's going go after your weak spots. And guess what? If you don't win this game you'll be in a very, very bad position, uh, assuming that Porto is going to beat Guimarães. Uh, and if we lose against Braga, we're one point in the lead. Not a very good, comfortable yeah, but position. Porto has to win a game in Guimarães. No, which is a very 100%. Game as well. 100%. I mean, look, but but is, po one, is Porto motivated? No, they're motivated as well. But Benfica knows that they can't slip up and they're playing at home. They're playing at home against a team that has only beaten Benfica once since 1956 at the start of the lose, which was the game, as I mentioned a million times on our podcast, 2014, last game of Enzo Perez for Benfica, which he wound up leaving at halftime and not coming back to the game. And we all knew then at the point in January, my man was leaving. That's the last time. they. Beat. So I'm confident in that aspect. I understand Amorim's come in. He's turned this team around. They played really well. And the way we've been playing of late, there's a lot to be concerned about. But you know what? I'm also confident because this team, just like Benfica, has that inferiority complex going into the Lidon. I feel they have that inferior inferiority co complex coming into the lose. So I'm very, I, I think Benfica will come away with a a two one victory on Saturday and, and and still hold on to that four point lead, extend it to seven, and then see what happens to uh, Football Club Porto at Guimarães on Sunday. Yeah, no, look, Benfica needs an answer. And, and coming home and, and in front of the fans, the last thing they want is is, is a crappy performance uh, and really feel uh, that uh, the fans are going to get, they're going to lose the fans, right? Um, one last thing, and, and Dave, I guess I, I could ask you, what, what are your thoughts on ahead of this game against Braga? Uh, and then I want to talk a little bit about Gabriel's situation. Yeah, just uh, I think like uh, Chris said, because that we have that historical factor, I'm not uh, too concerned about this game. Yes, Braga is on a on a, a hot streak right now, as you if you want to call it uh, that. But uh, I think we're in uh, their minds uh, um, historically on this here, so I'm not too concerned. It is at home, so uh, I'll keep with the. Uh, the scoreline that keeps popping up for us, 3-2 uh, victory at, uh, at home on uh, Saturday. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, it's not going to be an easy game. Cristiano feels confident. Uh, I, I'm not as confident, but playing at home and understanding that we need to answer, uh, I think that we're going to see a good performance from Benfica. We need to see a and good And I think what will also help is the fact that we're playing first. We've seen Benfica, once they know a result, kind of like, seem to switch off and switch on. I think having the pressure of 
not knowing Porto's result, obviously, because they don't play till the next day, having the pressure of having to win, having the pressure of trying to turn around the fans' perspective because of their atrocious performances over the last two two games, right? You know, two games without a victory. I, I think the players will come to play. I think the fans will show up and support Benfica and everyone will get behind. And I think uh, that'll be the extra motivational uh, factor that will make a change in Benfica's performance. I think they, they'll, they'll come away with a victory. Yeah. You know, I was hoping that you would uh, have that little piece of trivia about the word Braga in Spanish for our fans. Cueca. No, Braga means cueca. Well, I was supposed to say it or you were asking me. <laughs> <laughs> Cuecas, cuecas is Braga. So any, anyway, uh, in terms of uh, Gabriel, if you could put out a, a, a statement today, and, and I'll, I'll be goddamn if I didn't have to go to the dictionary and look up some of these words, why can it not make things e simple? I mean, it's bad enough you have to translate from Portuguese, it's, right? It's the name of the injury, bro. They it's the name of the... They're going to make it simple. Oh, okay. say the word no, you could say, well, he sees double. Right? Yeah, but it's they, it's they, simple enough. Listen, I, I understand they have that to you got to come gotta, out with a medical term. You got to come out with a medical it, term. But uh, it's up to it, us burros to figure it out. <laughs> I called my ophthalmologist to ask him, what does this mean? You know what my ophthalmologist's uh, name is? Antero. Dr. Zar. His last name is Olio. Uh, anyway, what? <laughs> I crack myself up. You're the big So yeah, so apparently, um, to simplify it, uh, he kind of sees his right eye, uh, right or left? His left eye. Um, th there's a there's a problem with with the nerve that the eye doesn't turn a certain way. Uh, and, it could be from a million different things. It could yeah. be from very serious trauma to the head. It could be yeah. from diabetes. It could be from getting drunk. It yeah. could be from many, many things. Long story short, he sees double, which which can explain perhaps why so many missed passes uh, lately from Gabriel. He just always choosing their own yeah. double part. But, I mean, only Benfica would uh, would players at Benfica con contract uh, injuries like this, and as Baquero said on, on the, the chat, and, and that's that's so true. That's such an odd, odd injury. Uh, and considering that Listen, I'm, he wasn't hit by Marega's hands. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Look, I'm uh, to be brutally honest with you, I, I'm hoping that, that it is just an odd injury and that, you know, holds true to what you said. Only Benfica is going to no, have these odd – don't be that guy. What guy? No, because there was all all types I'm of conspiracy hoping, theories, a, no, theories no, that the guy listening to me. Go ahead. Don't be that guy. I'm saying I'm hoping that that's all it is. That you know what? It's just an odd injury, and he's going to be fine. And it's not something more serious where he's got some type of uh, tumor in the head. That's what I'm. I, I, I'd rather just be a stupid injury. Like, oh man, this guy picks up a dummy, and it's not something serious. I thought you were going in a different direction, uh, and what I meant that there was. Tons of, of conspiracy theories oh, uh, saying that, well, uh, Gabriel took Laja's criticism too hard. He didn't have dinner with the team. He was fined. Uh, and he, now he's he's made up this eye injury So uh, because he doesn't want to play. There was all kinds of things coming out like that. And I was thinking that maybe you were going no, to that direction. Look, I, but maybe I, I don't know you as, as well as I, no, but I, as I, I should. I would have been fine even with with, with – Look, because everybody's going to throw out conspiracy theories. I would have been fine with it. But once a medical 
term has been diagnosed. And it's again, we're talking about something that is potentially very damaging. We're yeah. not talking so to me. I know I play around. I'm a clown. I'm a prankster. I'm, I'm an idiot at times. But when you start playing around with serious things, and this is something that needs to be taken serious, I stop there. I don't mess around with things that can be serious. Again, it's one thing you you know you keep pulling your hamstring. You you know you 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 know wuss. You soft, but this is something that could potentially be something more serious than just you know you got punched in the face we're talking about tumors we're talking about different things that could talk we're talking about the person now we're not talking about the player no more and so when it becomes you know a difficult situation like that alfredo to me conspiracy conspiracy theories jokes fun i it ends because this is about the person it's not about the player i mean if gabriel's messed up that possibly messes with his life with his being it's a lot more serious than it's just a soccer game. Like I said at the beginning of this, of the podcast, the Porto Bay game is a two-hour game, not even two hour, you know, ninety-minute game, and it's a wrap, right? This, this right here is something that he has to deal with outside the pitch. I'm pretty sure he's got a family, he's got kids, and he's got the rest of his life to live. At the end of the day, it's more important than him being healthy for if he got to play. It's about the guy himself. So, at that point, I just hope that it is just some freak injury, <laughs> like everyone is saying, all in being feet, and and I'll and I'll be glad it's just that. But let's just hope it's just that. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think they were all pulling for uh, for Gabriel, and and uh, you know, I, I always thought it was ridiculous what was was being said in the media. Yeah, but, but before I think that, that there wasn't no diagnosis yet. There was no yeah, official report. There was there wasn't diagnosis, but Benfica had reported that there was a problem with his vision. It's fine, but there was still nothing concrete. But that he this was, today he, was he would undergo more more examinations. And but look, the, when you're it, in the media and you know this, when but, you're in journalism, intriga, you gotta talk. Intriga. But look, when you're there, you gotta talk. You gotta say some nonsense. And uh, unfortunately, it wasn't the right thing to say. And now, finally, we have something concrete. And I'm pretty sure that those people who came out and spewed that stupidity will retract back. You know, take some steps think back, so? and I, I because the guy that said it, the guy that really initially started it all, was a guy that I like very much, um, Freitas. What's his name? Asshole. Okay, fine, but I like him. What do you? <laughs> you, asshole and you like me? You no, like that's me. his name. No, it's uh, Manuel J. Freitas, right? Or José J. Freitas. José Freitas. Asshole Freitas. Whatever. José Freitas. I like him. I actually like the guy. And he started that stupidity, and I'm pretty sure he's going to retract his steps. I think he will say, "Look, you, you know, think? I, spoke, I will." Are you waiting for it? I will. I'm t- I think I think he will right. do that. At ten co ten is where you can find Chris on Twitter. Uh, if, if you want to, I never saw this uh, this uh, this humanity side of, of Chris. I I think that's very kind uh, of you and, and very commendable. And yes, a hundred percent. I subscribe uh, to your to your words, and I'm pretty sure that Dave does also. Uh, at eighty seven do eighty seven at Pifika Podcast. That's all our Twitters. Uh, BenficaPodcast.com. Don't forget Benfica Independent with uh, tons of content. Uh, Now also on Patreon, exclusive content on on Patreon. They had uh, a recap of the game against Fumalicão just a couple hours after the game ended. Uh, And that was, uh, I know some of that was free for for just the general public. Uh, and uh, the rest of it was uh, was on Patreon. Very good opinions on that. Uh, don't forget to check check that out. 
two dollars a month or five dollars a month those are the two uh the two uh levels of subscription that you could uh that you could subscribe don't don't uh, forget to to check them out now with also some recaps in english um for you guys that don't read Portuguese. and german and french in case some of you are into that stuff that's right and uh, portuguese too, all don't. kinds of uh, of different languages on that site bifikinpinit.com uh, is where you can find that site thank you very much for checking us out uh, obviously uh, an hour and 20 minutes as i as i'm looking at the clock here uh gone a little bit longer than usual but as you can imagine we had a lot to talk about especially chris uh, <laughs> so we uh here we are i'm sure you're not complaining that you had a little bit of extra content thank you very much for checking us out dave these uh, these uh, goodbye senors yeah, senors ciao ciao Xian, próxima. Take care, everyone. Take care. See you next week. Next week we'll recap the Braga game. Look ahead to uh, what do we got? Shakhtar. Probably got Shakhtar. That's right. All right. First leg. That's right. See, let's see how that turns out. Later, everyone.